Hey everyone, welcome back to the All Things to All People podcast, a place where we explore what it means to be on God's great mission to gather persons of every tribe, language, people group, and nation, where we wrestle with the challenges of radical love and inclusion of all cultures into one family as a true kingdom alternative to the world. Let's get to it. You are listening to the All Things to All People podcast with Michael Burns and my co-host Jason Alexander. I am Michael Burns. Today, Jason and I are going to have a conversation with a minister and church leader in Tacoma, Washington, Dana Perkins, as we talk about what it means to hang on to the good and reject what is evil. Uh, building from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and what that looks like in our modern day context. But before we get to that, we're going to turn and have a little fun as we have been prone to do this season. But we're going to do it a little differently than we have the last couple episodes. Yeah, so today... Um, we are not going to do news of the Squatch, which is and uh, we're not, which is unfortunate. I know, Jason, because you did say that you are once again off in some rather squatchy territory um, camping. Is that right? Yeah, dude, I'm on location. I don't know why I got out of bed this morning. If there's no uh, Bigfoot talk, <laughs> well. This is going to be good, though. This I think this okay. will uh, this will be worth it for you. Um, but joining me today, and I'll explain why in just a second, is my youngest son, Elijah. Elijah, say hello. Hello, everybody. <laughs> and the reason Elijah is joining us for this segment is we're going to do a segment here, Jason, that Elijah's actually been bugging me to do on the podcast for gosh, probably almost a year. And there's this podcast that he listens to with these two goofy dudes who just talk about random things. He's like, you guys should have that conversation on your podcast. And I was like, yeah, we'll see. And then uh, recently a podcast I listened to did something, um, not exactly what we're going to do today, but along those lines. And I was like, okay, we we have to do this. Um, And so here it is. There is a there's an article that came out recently. They actually did a survey of Americans, and they also did one for uh, Britons, but we're not going to f- focus on that today. But Americans who think that if they had to get in a fight with their bare hands with certain kinds of animals, could they defeat that animal or not? So that, right. So that is the premise, which Jason may come in handy for you as you are, of course, um, you know, dealing with uh, the the elements out there um, where you are. I'm going to pick a fight with a fox as soon as this is over. Well, luckily, uh, a fox is not on our list, but there are animals kind of like that. So. Here's the first one I want to run by and see if you guys think you could beat this animal. Because 72% of Americans think that if they had to, they could beat a rat in a fight with their bare hands. <laughs> Seems kind of right. low. I mean, that, that, that doesn't, uh, that, come on. <laughs> I want to see the 28% of people who don't think (laughs) (laughs) they're terrified like I could not take a rat. Yeah, right. Okay, so it would have to be like panic struck because they're, they're, what's the the phobia of rats, whatever that is. Yeah, I don't know because the question is if you had to get in a fight with them. So these are people I think who think they would lose. I tell you what, actually, I, I'm I'm already seeing their side of things. Because if I saw a rat and someone told me to go fight it, one, I wouldn't really know how to, to get in there and, and start the fight. But two, like, I don't really want to mess around with a rat, dude. They, 
they're loaded with bacteria. Oh, <laughs> that's the last thing I want to touch. Only you would think of that. And by the way, let me <laughs> let me give the warning here that we are in no way promoting violence against animals. This is only a theoretical thought experiment if we had to. So I'm certainly not glorifying right. violence against animals. Uh, no, I, I know. Neither am I. Right. You're disparaging rats, though. But um, I, I think, you know, but you could, beat a, you could beat a rat. Come on. I mean, yeah, as far as manpower... But I, I would not want to touch a rat. Well, like, I mean, a wild rat. Right. Why, are, are there wild, but if it was attacking rats? your daughter? <laughs> yeah. yeah. The I fact that it, he I didn't know. immediately say yes worries me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. it wasn't a pause of whether or not I'd save my, my child. It was, it was more imagining a situation <laughs> where a rat was attacking my daughter. <laughs> And that was funny to you? <laughs> no, it wasn't funny. I was just trying to grasp it. Yeah, okay. I did. I, okay. I get involved. So here's the next one. 69% of people believe they could beat a house cat in a fight. Oh, that's... Yeah, what do you say, Elijah? That's could, courageous. Could you take a house cat, Elijah? Absolutely. Are There's no sure? doubt in my mind. Even if, house it was, cat? if it was not declawed. And what? I'm a grown it's man. Scratch. <laughs> Oh man! So a, you think a clawed house cat is no joke? I mean, I've been attacked. You're going to come away with some scars. I'm coming out untouched. For real. Untouched, untouched. He said. All right. No, untouched. Untouched. No way. Okay. Okay. Here's the next one. I like this one. A goose. Sixty-one percent. Sixty-one percent of Americans say they could take a goose. No, they're they're they're. They're foolish. You can't beat a goose in a fight. What? Have you ever been chased by a goose? You don't think you can beat a goose in a fight? Like, straight up? Yeah, they have wings, dude. Yeah. And, and they they hiss. Like, uh, I don't know if you know this. The wings can't grab you. They're not going to hold you with the wings. <laughs> no, They're I not going to punch you. I get it, but they can, they can bob and weave so, in a manner that's hard and to get on <laughs> so you're intimidated by the athletic prowess of the goose. Yeah, I wouldn't want to tangle with a goose. I man. think I could take a goose. I think. Bear, I, I mean, we're talking bare hands. What do you? I mean, what will you do? And by take, do you mean like how do? Is is death? We, the, like. The, I mean, uh, whoever walks away in our in our theoretical experiment, yeah. That's oh man, I wouldn't have the heart to take a goose. Well, I know this is all theory. I mean, I wouldn't hurt an animal either in reality, but this is like the goose is coming after your family <laughs> and you have to fight it. <laughs> right. Okay, yeah. how about how about yeah. a medium sized dog? Oh yeah. What's me like fifty pounds ish? No, I'd say like twenty five pounds. Oh, that's medium. Like Johnny Cash. If Johnny Cash wanted your head, Elijah, could you take him? With ease. Okay. All right. How, how about how about a large dog? Only 23% of Americans say they could beat a large dog. Are we talking like a pit bull or like a Rottweiler? Yeah, like something like that. I feel yeah, like that's high. Him. 23%. I don't know. I feel like I could take Favorite him. Favorite hands? The, what? Yeah, with your bare hands. Yeah, I don't know. You just kick it before it gets to you. Now, here's where it gets ridiculous. Oh, Set, let, let me tell you this. 17% of people believe they could beat a chimpanzee. Absolutely. You think Absolutely. they could beat a chimpanzee? No. Absolutely. They are off course. There okay. is no way. Okay. I don't even... I, I am six foot six, 200 pounds. You telling me yeah. that I couldn't give hands to a chimpanzee? They're twice as strong. Oh, they are not. As a human. They I'm are not. They're twice. They are not. Twice as strong. They are not. Oh, they oh, are. And they, they would chew your face off? They don't, have the, they don't have the hands that I do and the relentlessness. Yeah, well, while you're throwing your hands, they're going after other parts of your body because that's what chimpanzees do. But they I got go combos. No, they, a chimpanzee oh, will ruin your day. They have you a climb into a room with a chimpanzee. They hit below the belt. Let me just say that. You don't think I could like wrestle and then choke out a chimpanzee? No. 
There's no Absolutely. way. You no. would never get near him. They're they're no. like they're like one of the most they they'll eat you. <laughs> they are nasty. I, okay. Sure here's, here's another one. Here's another one. Uh, 14% of people say they could beat a kangaroo. Now, this is where I have to say, I feel like I could take a kangaroo. Again, 100%? Yeah, 100%. 100%. I mean, I feel like it could be a fight, but you punch them in the nose, they tend to back off, you know, so. I mean, there's that video of that dude, the, uh, right, the kangaroo the, that had the dog in a headlock and he went and punched him and he went away. <laughs> <laughs> that's right that guy that guy yeah that's right he wrestled his dog out of his hands and popped him right in the punched nose punched him in the face just punched <laughs> him that's right. so jason do you think you could beat a kangaroo i mean I, yeah no no way didn't they wasn't there like a traveling show or didn't they used to like have have a part of um, i think it's been done box. in the past yeah yeah, like a done. box box a kangaroo. That was probably no a trained that was probably a trained kangaroo though. He was okay. he was highly skilled. <laughs> I'm imagining. Yeah. Okay, how about how about a wolf? Twelve percent. Oh, come on. We're we're twelve percent of people say they could beat a wolf. Yes, yes. Oh dude. I'm saying for me, that's fifty fifty. I feel like you I got a shot. I feel like I got a shot. I feel like the the circumstances depend i feel like they it, it depends a lot <laughs> like what circumstances no, no. Like, did the wolf just eat like, like so is it's one wolf yeah, it's not a wolf, wolf pack okay so it's one wolf do i know the layout of the area so can i use <laughs> because i need to know the area talking terrain <laughs> yeah it's like you're gonna have a strategy against the wolf like i'm gonna sneak up from behind that's that's what's Wait, gonna happen. How many people said they could beat a dog, a, a medium sized dog? A medium sized dog, forty nine percent, forty nine percent, and twenty three percent was a large dog, but only twelve percent a wolf. Oh, twelve percent. Yes. No. No yeah. way. Yeah. And and nope. uh, uh, here, oh, nine percent said they could beat a crocodile. It's yeah, on the ground. Insane. You think you could beat a crocodile? Okay. It's on the ground. <laughs> like, what are you gonna fly off the top rope on this thing? How do you feel like? How do you beat them though? How do you? How do you yeah. with your bare hands? How do you? Do you just keep punching the alligator? No, I like, just kick it in the eye and piss it off, and then oh, it'll go dude, it away. Face it. It would close its eye. In the it's eye. Yeah, uh, it's from the side. Oh, uh, okay. Because I'll juke it now until I could get okay. close. Now this one's funny. Eight percent of Americans think they could take a gorilla. No. <laughs> okay, no, chimp. No, yes, dude. a gorilla. I don't know about that. You don't I know. know. I don't know. Don't they weigh like four hundred pounds? <laughs> but I'm smarter. That's the thing. Are you? Yes. When it comes to fighting, <laughs> yes. Are you? I dude, do. Like this. they fight. after the rat scenario, all that. <laughs> There hasn't been since the rat a possible victory. Even the house cat would would be. You, a, 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 you don't think a house cat is a possible victory or a goose or a goose? Uh, no, no way, dude. A house cat would be hard to get your hands on. He'll tire you out. A goose would just be frightening. A gorilla is like way off the chart. Yeah. Like there's, well, there's no. This is my no favorite. Do you want to hear my favorite? Eight percent of Americans say that they could be an elephant in a fight. <laughs> Bare hand. I really again. The circumstances depend. No, I think no I found one of the eight <laughs> percent. I was just gonna say I want. I want to meet these eight percent. These people who think they could like. Yeah, I could take an elephant. What's under what circumstance? Would, yeah, would this, exactly. <laughs> Where do you start? Like, <laughs> I, I mean, the eyes. I mean, that's where you'd start. That's okay, the only I feel point. like I feel like if I like oh. grabbed its whatever the snout nose thing, and then like trunk. pulled yeah. it the trunk. Yeah, the trunk. <laughs> I feel like I feel like I could do enough damage. You could pull a trunk. Do you know how strong they are with that? It would pick you it up would, and fling you. Then I would get on top of it, and that's part of my strategy. Now you know eight percent of people also say they could beat a lion with their bare hands. Yeah, I don't know about that, which one. is absurd. But here's here's the worst one of all. 
A grizzly bear. Jason, guess what percent of people say they could beat a grizzly bear? Eight? It's six percent. Six percent of people. Like, I want to know. Okay. What? No, don't go there. Hear me out. (laughs) Hear me out. Let me guess. It depends on the circumstances. It really does. Because if we're talking (laughs) a grown grizzly bear. Is the circumstances that it's a one-legged grizzly bear with no no, arms? No. (laughs) If it's like an adolescent (laughs) to a baby grizzly bear. No, we're not talking baby grizzly bears. Are we talking like a teen, like my age? No, a full-grown grizzly bear. With claws the size of... Like machete. Bare hands? No. You give me a really sharp stick or a buck knife? Oh, you're... I don't know about that. You don't think you could take a bear with a buck knife? Not a grizzly? Never. You just stick it out. A buck knife against a grizzly bear? You you gotta just stick it out. It has like ten buck knives at the end of its hands coming at you you, willy-nilly. I have very good reflexes. Oh! Did you see the um the, the movie The Revenant when the when the bear attacked? Yeah, like exactly. That? Yes. Oh, and that's that, like that's like the that only time in history. Life. But how did that change your life? He had a he had a knife though, but that was like one of the only times in history that that no, happened. No, no, but he, oh yeah, that's right. He did win. But but my point <laughs> is, when that bear got after him, like I I had, I guess I didn't really think about how terrifying that would be like there's up to that point you thought it would just be fun or what it'd be kind of cool to get attacked by a grizzly bear (laughs) okay and i happen to now let me bring in one story though when jason says he doesn't think he could beat a cat we do have to remember the time that we were all in africa together and jason ran terrified from the little tiny monkeys that got into the house do you remember that and he, he wasn't even there. He no. didn't sleep. What? Okay, but he he wasn't there? I thought I, he was... I was asleep. <laughs> I was asleep. I ran from the monkeys. Oh, you ran house. from the monkeys. I thought Jason that ran from the monkeys. more like it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know what diseases yeah, I... they carry. <laughs> what oh, bacteria. We are not having that conversation again. <laughs> Uh, the one we had in Africa, Dude, where the two, you, where you, you were can, convinced that you could get HIV from looking at a monkey, from breathing the same air. Not looking. That's no, what no, you no. said. No, 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 not looking. <laughs> well, no, not looking. That would be a super. No, <laughs> I, I, I tell you what, though the the um, there was a spider in the place we were staying in Africa that did. Did yeah. rattle my cage a little. Yeah, that quir- the qu- nickel-sized spider that no. y- you were terrified of. No, dinner plate-sized <laughs> spider. It was probably bigger but, than a nickel, but it wasn't that big. All right. Well, this is this has been fascinating. We could go on and on with this. Um, I I, I got to say, the the only one that we didn't. Well, we we skipped a couple. There's also thirty percent think they could beat an eagle. Absolutely, and fifteen percent an eagle. Absolutely not. If I grab its leg and start flinging it around, and with I the other leg, it, it would just slit your face open. No, it would be so rattled to where it wouldn't even want to mess with me. Those yet. things are killing machines. I'm telling you. No, but <laughs> and a, an eagle and a king cobra. Only fifteen percent. I do feel like I could take a king cobra if I had Just grab to. Grab a tail, snap its neck. Yeah, that's what you got to do. That's the way to do it. So, all right, guys, um, we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and bring this segment to a close and turn our attention to the real focus of our show. And it's time to talk with our guest today. So I am really excited, uh, Jason and I, to welcome Dana Perkins, as I said, as our guest today, to the uh, podcast. Dana is currently the evangelist and church leader in Tacoma, Washington, 
And Dana, you've been yep. there, I know, for about 11 years. And um, yep. where were you before D- Tacoma? I was a lot of places. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was in quite a few places. But but honestly, the last stop uh, prior to being here was in Boise, Idaho. Boise, and so, Idaho. Wow, okay. Boise, Idaho was where we were before that. And we were there for about three years. Okay. Is it? I noticed uh, it's Boise. I always called it Boise, but I've noticed people right. are intentional. Boise. Yep. That's because if you've never lived in Boise, that's you what I figured. Call it Boise. But right. the natives know that you don't know what you're talking about. Okay, that's good to know. Boise. They like, yeah, he's not from here. Uh, yeah. All right. I've picked up on that. All right. That's a sure giveaway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and is there a lot of a uh, lot of potato growing going on in Boise? Uh, there is a lot of potato growing, oh, but there's true. a lot of potato growing going on in Washington, I believe, as well. <laughs> really? Okay. Uh, that's what I understand. But yeah, there's a lot of potato growing going on in, in Boise, Idaho. You know what else Boise. there's a lot of in Washington State, Dana? <laughs> yeah, there it is. Oh, I have a- <laughs> there, there's, there's a lot of Sasquatch sightings. <laughs> there's a lot of Sasquatch <laughs> yeah oh uh, we're yeah. not we're yeah. not gonna suck you into that universe though <laughs> thank you yeah thank you, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> we'll give you plausible we deniability been hunting uh yeah we haven't been sasquatch hunting yet we should go hunting. we should go <laughs> well, that... whenever you come to visit it'll be first on the list of things to do i'm 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 down i am and in. jason's gonna be the uh jason's gonna lead us out on the journey yeah, yeah. I am not going on an yeah. expedition into the wilderness that Jason is leading. Oh, Jason's leading man. it right. I'll lead you straight into truth. There, <laughs> there is no Bigfoot. <laughs> well, what kind of what kind of expedition leader does that make? Well, I'll uh, take you around for a bit till I tell you. But okay, yeah. all right. Well, okay, let's I, I gotta gather it together here because we have people going like, you know, your 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 news of the yeah. squatch uh, segment enough. is over. Let's get into yeah. serious things yeah. here. Um and I wanna talk today, so so let me read this passage in first Thessalonians chapter five, and I'll start in verse nineteen, and it says, Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. And I want to have a discussion with you guys today, not about prophecies. That's another time, another topic. But it's this principle, which I think we can see kind of throughout Scripture in various places, but never more clearly than here, of holding on to what is good and and rejecting what is evil. And uh, of course that's not necess- it's not really referring to scripture because all of scripture is good. If you're saying well this is just about scripture, then we're saying some of scripture is evil and we don't mm. certainly believe that. So this is um you know ideas that are coming from the outside that we're bringing in and setting and is part of our faith to help us understand and live out and define our, our faith. And again, I'm not, I know this passage is restricted to prophecies. We're just kind of taking the principle and applying it more broadly. And the way I've characterized this often is, you know, when we're looking at something, um, let's go into it with an open mind somewhat and eat the meat and leave the bones. Uh, you know, you read a book and not everything in it is good, but you might take one or two good things out of it. Um, but there seems to be, and this is the discussion I want to have today. And uh, Dana, you are the perfect guest for this because I think you are, uh, you, you're a, a great evangelist, uh, first of all. And I think you're just a very balanced, wise calm person that is right. able to sort of see both sides and really live out being a peacemaker and you know take what is good and leave what is not so good or what is evil but there seems to be a consistent failure in the body of Christ to be able to do this and and more and more I'm seeing it where we're starting to feed into this worldly way of thinking of they're the bad guys. They're evil. We must, you know, I, I won't even hear that. I won't even listen to it. 
uh, you know, if you, I mean, I know that as somebody who goes around and, and speaks on race and culture and politics, I know yeah. that there are disciples who are like, oh, he's talking about race, I'm out. Because he's yep. going to be yep. this. And they've already characterized, they already know what I'm going to say, even though they don't. Um, and most yeah. of the time they're, they're wrong. Um, and, you know, folks on all sides can, can do this, where we demonize and hyper-tribalize. So what do you guys think about that? Why do you think we have such a tendency to do this today? Man, I, I think a lot of this is because, man, we, we do not like nuance, do we? Yeah, uh, we're right. not super good, right. good with with nuance. I think we just, you know, honestly, I think even as Christians, we want we want everything to be uh, cookie cutter. We, we like we like simple and easy church. Yeah. You know, I think we want church to be clean and easy and difference and nuance is just not something that we're super good with. And I think diversity by by nature, right? Just the the fact that we are full of different uh, with different experiences and different cultures and different ideologies and ways of looking and thinking about the world and about life in general. I, I just think that anything that kind of gets outside of what we think is is right is man. We 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 just want it to be clean. We want it to be neat and. Um, man, so much of, you know, dealing with issues of diversity, I mean, are, are not that neat and they're not that clean. Right. And, and again, it's just the nuance of it all that makes it very difficult for us to work through and to really talk about. It's uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. Does you know, that, does that, do you think, does that impact our faith in other areas? Like in general, this, this desire to have things neat and easy and and clean where maybe it even um, causes us to miss certain depth of the scriptures and and sort of keep ourselves at a an immature uh, way because I don't want nuance I don't want uh, difficulty or challenge I just right. I want you know we, we get this attitude where it's like I want the clean clear-cut easy, gospel i don't want to have to work hard study scriptures do you see that as a as a church leader at all dana oh man for sure i i think in probably in in lots of different ways uh you know but i i certainly think it affects our you know the way that we mature the way that we are are formed spiritually i think when you know when we are are unable to recognize you know uh that that people are different and think differently because they have different experiences. You know, I, I think there's this kind of idea, right, that when we become Christians, we certainly, I think we all understand that we take on uh, a, a, the Christ identity, or, or at least that's the goal, right? We are trying to, we are being formed in the image of God, but is there any of us that has done that perfectly yet? Is there right. any of us that, you know, I mean, while we're being transformed which is a lifelong process. I, I think, and we do it at different speeds. You know, we don't do it all in the same timetable. Yeah, that's an important. Even we're all in different. You know, yeah. we're in, in so many different places on that formation journey. But I think that sometimes, as we, you know, as we're growing, we, we, you know, I think sometimes we imagine that we're in a, a better place than we, than we might really be. Uh, that we're closer to, to the image of Christ than we really are. And we don't have a lot of tolerance for those who are still struggling and still growing mm, uh, mm. to figure it out. And that works both ways, right? It doesn't matter whether you're on the, the more liberal or conservative side, whether you're on the, you know, whether you're, you're black or you're white. I think there's a tendency for people on every side to, to grow impatient with the progressiveness of the other side, with the growth okay. uh, of the other side. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Good. Yeah, I, man, I I tell you, it's um. I, I think, well, it's it's been described to me as you know, um, early on in my uh, uh, my understanding of God and of the world the the very clear cut categories helped me um but i think there's a moment um 
And it's usually a moment where you encounter some kind of complexity or situation for which not only do you not have answers, but it's almost as if there aren't <laughs> available answers. No one really knows how to, how to process it, that y you recognize that the life of faith includes all sorts of moments of gray, uh, gray white and black categories, whatever mixing. And I think um, th there's, the general approach has been in my life to try to uh, relocate the black and white categories. But the more I journey along with scripture, the more I see that faithfulness is, um, the, the Bible kind of issues an invitation to stand in the gray, sometimes without clear answers, and to be patient and to be um, faithful and loving. Um, yeah, and I, I think I think that that's a we don't necessarily do anyone a favor to pretend like every single situation in the life of faith will be black and white, and that's bearing itself out. Um, I suppose the other word for this is is maturity, but it's it's learning that um, some of this you have to navigate through prayer and non answers. Yeah, yeah. Don't hear me being an, like Mr. Postmodernist, you know, that there are no answers. That's not my point here. Uh, but for much of the life of faith, it's a there's a navigation that that takes place. And it, it feels like this tendency um, to demonize the other side and there's only bad over there and only good on my side is growing in our culture. And it, it reminds me, if you guys remember the old song, I think it's from the 60s, Buffalo Springfield, uh, for what it's worth. Do you guys remember that song? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. uh, Dana's shaking his head. Um, uh, they uh, Public Enemy remade it uh, for He Got Game, um, mm. if, you, if you remember that song at all. But... There's a line in there. If it there. wasn't by Earth, it fire. I probably don't know. <laughs> Jason can. Jason's going to sing it for you right now. Interestingly, also, I think De La Soul used the font from the Buffalo Springfield uh, for their for their fourth album. That's it. Wow, that's, that's that, that didn't do anything. Completely but. useless information. Okay. But thank you. <laughs> I'm just saying it has its inroads to hip hop. I yeah, mean, no, so I'm, it, yeah, I'm with you. But that's a song. Um, uh, it, it goes, you know, I think it, it's time we stop, children. What's that sound? Everybody look what's going down. Yeah, you know yeah. that one. Um, but there's a line in there. Wow, that was really bad, by the way. That was uh, wonderful. It was not. <laughs> but, um, you know, it is what it is. But it, there's a line in there that, that, where they say, what a field day for the heat. A thousand people in the street singing songs and they're carrying signs mostly say hooray for our side mm -hmm. and, and i think mm -hmm. there's truth there but what what are the dynamics in our culture right now that seem to be feeding into this growing chasm of tribalism my side is right your side is evil and dangerous and wrong and that's all there is to it and that's all i'm gonna see what what is feeding into that culturally <clears throat> Gosh. Well, I, I think, you know, there are probably a lot of things, but one of the, the things that comes to mind the most is is our, our politics, you know, this, mm. this two-party political system that we have, I think has done a really good job of kind of dividing our humanity and, you know, putting one side against the other. I think that's one of the areas where we see the most, right, where if you think on the other side, you must be an idiot. Uh, mm. if, if you... If you subscribe to one side or the other, if you're whatever the other side is, you've got to be some kind of idiot to believe that stuff or to subscribe to that way or that ideology. Uh, and and I, you know, again, I, I just think life is so much more nuanced than that. I think our, you know, even even within a two party political system, which I already think is pretty ridiculous, to be quite honest with you. Mm. Um, I, I think even in that two party system, there's there's nuance because there's so many various reasons why anybody might choose to 
endorse, you know, or right. vote for uh, a particular uh, party. There, there, nobody stands on a single platform, right? But there may be something that resonates with people in different ways, and and so. You know, I've heard I've heard it state, stated oftentimes that you know it's the I'm choosing the lesser of two evils. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but if, even if that were the case, and you believe that it was the lesser of two evils, you realize that they're both still there. There's good and bad in either side of it, and so to look at anybody on the other side and go, "Well, you're all bad," right. it's kind of ridiculous too. It's a little hypocritical. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? But I think it's easy to do that, and and I think it's just. I, I don't know. I think we're we're just. It's easy for us to be disagreeable um, in that way for some reason. Um, I mean, I wish I had more answers to that. I don't know. It's really perplexing, though. It's 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 honestly really confusing and very frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. What you, what you were saying, you know, it makes me think about the. Um, you know, uh, Michael, you had used the phrase, uh, what was it? Eat, eat the meat, eat the meat and leave the bones. Eat the meat and leave the bones. Yeah. So yeah. it, what, yeah, the, the, uh, to, to be kind of put in this either or situation, uh, between two options, you're kind of forced to eat the meat and eat the bones <laughs> it's like yeah. you you have to you have to swallow the whole thing down because yeah. there isn't really room for nuance and it puts a christian in a in a very interesting situation um mm-hmm. because there's much on either side that uh i think i think uh, a, a christian who's paying attention is going to have a hard time taking mm-hmm. all of it on um mm-hmm. so to be overly dogmatic on either side uh, does present some challenges. Yeah. And and I have, I agree with you, Dana, what you were saying with the two party system. I, I wrote about that. You know, I have a chapter on that in my book, escaping the beast. And uh, I talk about the, the challenge, if not the full blown problem of a Christian mm-hmm. engaging in a, in a two party system. But I, you know, from time to time, I will hear people in the world, but even more problematically, Christians will really swing to one side politically, uh, which again, my whole book, Escaping the Beast, was kind of aimed at that problem. But there's still, um, you know, uh, surprisingly, I guess, not everybody reads my books and not everybody reads my books and agrees <laughs> with them and immediately changes to think like I do. And so there are uh, still uh, a lot of Christians who um, will take a different view and, and definitely lean politically one way or the other. And, mm-hmm. you know, they'll point out, oh, all the hypocrisies and failings of the other side. And I'm like, yeah, you're absolutely right. But there's just as many hypocrisies and failings on your side. And I don't know how you don't see that. And, you know, even to the point where if, if I can be specific and I'm not saying that uh, these are all bad because that's, that's certainly not, uh, that wouldn't be contrary to the whole point of this episode. But if you're primary, you know, we're discipled in everything we do. Right. And that's one of the big Mm -hmm. things of, our tradition is really let's be discipled by one another to follow Jesus. But we, what we're discipled at church and by one another, maybe a handful of hours throughout the week. And then I don't think we stop and think about how much we are discipled by everything in the world, the marketing commercials, the news we listen to. And there are quite frankly, a lot of disciples who are more discipled by their news source than they are by a biblical worldview. And so if your primary discipling in your worldview is coming from Rachel Maddow or Ariana Huffington or, or um, uh, Chris Cuomo or I- Ibram Kendi or CNN or late night talk show comedians, the, you know, the Huffington Post, whatever, those, those sort of sources... Um, I'm not saying they're all bad and there's not some things to learn from it, but you're not going to have 
it's going to drive you away from a biblical worldview. It's discipling yeah, in another absolutely. direction. And on the other hand, I would say if your primary discipling in your worldview is Sean Hannity or uh, Candace uh, Owens, um, yeah. is it Candace Owens or is it Candace? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Candace yeah, Owens. Candace yeah, mm-hmm. um, Graham Allen, Tucker Carlson, Bill O'Reilly, Prager University, Fox News, radio talk shows, The Blaze, whatever it is. Um, those are going to lead you in a very non-kingdom discipling bent a- as well. And I think we lose sight of that a lot. Um, yeah, I agree. Is, is that an issue that you guys uh, see playing out in our congregations? Oh, man, absolutely. And and not only that, but I think even our experiences with social media as well, because I think yeah. if you're... If you have a particular bent one way or the other, then then you're going to get fed. All of that stuff is going to be on your social media sites as well. I think it's really interesting that that point that you bring up, though, because, uh, you know, I feel like, I don't know, you know, when I first became a Christian, one of the things that I was attracted to and that, I don't know, probably scared me half to death as well, was this idea that we could talk about everything. We we were open about every aspect of our lives and decide in this spirit of discipleship. And we talked about I remember as as a young Christian, and even still to this day, honestly, but I, I you know, we talk about our, you know, Jen and I, when we get time together with other couples, we talk about our marriage and we talk about all the dynamics of our marriage and we confess, you know, we confess whether you know our, our we talk about our intimacy or the lack thereof, if that's what we need to talk about. Uh, we talk about our financial circumstances at times when we have needed help to navigate, uh, you know, a healthy, um, you know, healthy spending or the way that we're spending our, our finances. And we've talked about all those things openly. And as a young Christian, I confess so many things. But but one of the things I realize is that in the, in the church, we, we rarely talk about these kinds of issues, issues of our biases and issues of, you know, how we're experiencing. We, we talk about it with people that are like-minded. You know, if, if there are people that agree with me, then we'll have those kinds of conversations. And those are more commensurate, you know, where, where we commiserate with one another. But rarely do we have the kind of conversations where we're saying, hey, listen, I'm really, I think I might be struggling with, with a bias or, or prejudice mm-hmm. towards someone else. Or I'm, I'm really irritated or frustrated because I think I'm hearing this. And we talk to people that have a different point of view and get their perspective. Um, I, I don't know that I've had anybody ever confess to me that they struggle with bias or prejudice. Mm. Wow. Ever. Yeah. That's Why a is that? Point. Yeah. Yeah. Why is that? You know, in a, in, a, in a family where we value discipling and discipleship, why is it that we don't talk about that as well? Because we know that those are real heart issues as well. Yeah. But I think we're much more uncomfortable, and, and perhaps we just feel unsafe. I think people don't feel safe to talk about those things because of this idea that if I, even if I, if I dare to confess that I struggle with prejudice or bias, that I'm going to be judged and written off so quickly that I'll lose my standing and my friendship, and I won't be loved and accepted uh, in the church anymore. So I'll just keep it to myself, but I'll vent my feelings on Facebook instead or something, yeah. you know. It's kind of crazy, but I, I, anyway, yeah. No, that's such a, no, no, that's such a powerful point. And uh, I I really appreciate you bringing that up. And I think, you know, although if we look at the two sides politically in our culture, I think there is one side that tends to accuse the other side of more being a cancel culture but really, quite frankly, both are equally, they, they try to cancel things they don't like. And mm-hmm. that's, that's part of this, um, you know, not uh, accepting the good, but rejecting what is evil. It's like, man, they're the other side. It's that tribalism. They're, they're bad. Let's cancel them. And you bring up such a good point because we've got to, I think, be a, a culture. And I'm, I'm actually writing about this. I'm working on a book upcoming and about being a culture of of grace rather than uh, a cancel culture and one where instead of 
labeling people with identities of the world, you know, you're liberal, you're conservative, you're racist, you're anti-racist, you're woke, whatever it is that we try to use to put other people down, like, how about beloved image bearer? And yeah, and yeah. start from there. And, you know, which reminds me of 2 Corinthians 3.18, where it says, we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes yeah. from the Lord who is the mm -hmm. spirit. Mm -hmm. Now, Jason, Dana was just talking about no one ever confessing a bias or prejudice. He was, is, he was a bit heavy handed with that. Yeah. I have. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I was going to say, is there, is there anything you'd like to confess right now? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. Oh man. Yeah. But, uh, Jason, talk, talk about, uh, if you could, uh, and I'm putting you on the spot a little bit here, but second Corinthians three eighteen, this idea of seeing the glory of the Lord in the face of the, uh, of the other, rather than an enemy that's all evil. Can, can you expound on that a little bit or talk about that for a second? Um, I, I could try. I mean, it's, it, <clears throat> yeah, I think that is, it requires a, a, uh, a facing God, uh, I think, first and foremost, to notice that. And one thing that the being entrenched in, in a, a, a political, a specific political theory uh, does block your view of, of God. I, I think, um, though some would argue that it facilitates a deeper understanding of God, I, I would I would probably disagree with that, <clears throat> but I think I think the 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 idea that you would see in your brother or sister the image of God um, means that you have to first reckon with with God. I think that looks like allowing Scripture uh, to guide the way, <laughs> guide the thinking, which is challenging. Uh, and there, the, the issue of semantics becomes important uh, pretty quick in that discussion. Um, so, uh, again, we've, we've, I think I've talked about this with you, probably with both of you guys, but the, the, um, the way language is freighted, uh, justice uh, is a, is a <laughs> it's a thoroughly biblical idea, uh, but not necessarily in the same sense that it's, uh, that it's described in political discourse so the second you use the term justice uh you're you're cast away uh from your brother depending on where you stand yeah uh whereas mm -hmm. if you are allowing scripture to to uh define some of these terms and i say let scripture as if it's just super super easy but <clears throat> but i do think there's a discussion there um so i i think um yeah. Yeah. It's, it's almost it, last thing I'd say, I, I think it, you know, the church is, is to be, if I, if I'm understanding uh, the gospel correctly, the church is a kind of polis. It, it's, it's a, like much of what we do is political. I mean, even the language kingdom of God, I mean, what, what could possibly be more political than that language? I mean, and we, we have these very political acts we do every Sunday where we, we bow and we worship and we, we ascribe glory to God. And I think until one sees their primary community or polis uh, as the church, you will constantly miss that glory in the other, um, yes. or the the one who is uh, m politically minded or differently politically oriented. I don't know what the right phrase yeah. is there. So um, yeah, who who is your we? Right, that's there. It is. Yeah, yeah. I, that's you could have just said it that way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, ex yeah. that's exactly yeah. right. Um, but. That that isn't to say then. Well, I, I'm I'm not going to be political. I'm just going to be spiritual and look at Jesus, and then I'll see my brother. We'll meet right. in in the spiritual arena because that that undersells what the church is too, as a polis, as a political, uh, very actively political group of people. I think. Yeah, mm -hmm. 
No, I, I have challenged groups to think about that a lot in the past where I'll give a series of problems. You know, what are we going to do about immigration or what are we going to do about poverty or what are we going to do, you know, and, and list off all these things with, with racial injustice and, and then give people a minute to think about it and then go, well, wait a minute, back up. Um, who, who was the we there? Is it the United States of America? Is it Ouch. your political party? Is it the kingdom of God? And what I've found is even with church folks, it's very rarely the first we that pops into their mind is we the church. Yep. For yep. some it does, but when you start mentioning in the context of these big sort of meta problems in the world, uh, poverty yep. and race and things like that, they immediately, war, you know, whatever, they immediately go to... Well, the we's America, and right. and that becomes uh, problematic there as well. Yeah, and that allows some within the church to be the them instead of the we. Then that's even within yes. your own congregation, you'll have them yeah. rather than us. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's great. Wow. Yeah. Sorry, I, I cut you so off, Dana. No, 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 not at all. I, I was just thinking, man, I just want to say that is such an incredible way of looking. I, I've never even thought to invite that kind of a question, uh, you know, to ask it. But as soon as you said it, as soon as you uh, asked that question, you know, I, I kind of had to stop and pause for myself and think about who is who is the we. Right. But, but you know, I, and, I, and, I, and I think I did eventually, even before you said it, I think I eventually came to, yeah, it's we the church. Right. You know, what are we going to do? I, I believe that coming from you, Dana. If Jason said that, I wouldn't believe him, but I believe you. <laughs> I did. I arrived <laughs> at that place, but it wasn't without kind of a real serious kind of a, uh, you know, some, some thinking about because I don't think it's the first place that we go. Right. I do think that we, you know, I think we imagine that we can change the world, the church, we, the church, that we, the people of God can, you know, really make a difference and have an impact in the world. We, I think we imagine that, and yet I think we we re, we we we'd rather delegate uh, the right. responsibility of change to right. a political party or to someone else to actually do the work. And I'll give you my vote. You go do the work I want you to do. But we don't see ourselves as the as the the the, the laborers in the in the harvest field. Yeah. 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 Yep. That's good. So it, as we. Let me kind of um, start bringing us in for a landing here. Um, if we go back to First Thessalonians and talks about, you know, to paraphrase, test all things, hold on to what is good, reject every kind of evil. Um, if we do that, and, I, and I'm not implying here that this verse is teaching that we just have no convictions, quite quite the opposite, I think, actually. But it is, we do look at things and can learn some things, again, if we're expanding this principle out a bit, um, you know, to, to give some examples, I, I've looked at some things that Jehovah's Witnesses do, and I don't agree with them on most doctrinal issues surrounding Jesus and his identity and really important things uh, of of Scripture, but say, you know, some of their practices, that's actually there's some there's some good there. They're maybe closer to uh, kingdom living in you know an area or two than we would be. Uh, let me reject everything that's not good, but I don't just have to demonize them. And you know, if I think if we could do this with you know individualists and collectivist cultures and uh, right and left politics, and be able to find kind of that more balanced middle of you know, maybe there. What is good about what that person's saying? Let me not fall into this trap of everything they're doing is evil, and this tribalizing. And I, I even see it playing out now in new ways. It's the maskers versus the no maskers, and the vaccinated versus the unvaccinated. And man, we're just drawing these lines everywhere. And if the church buys into that, uh, we cease to be the light. So let me ask this kind of question at the end here. How do we practically find balance in this? How do we be the people of the light that cling to what is good and reject what is evil? 
Um, are there any practical tips that you guys can leave us with? Yeah, I, I, I would say maybe one of the first things that we could do is not assume that uh, that we know what wisdom is, that that we all, you know, that our way is the way all the time or that we have all the answers. I, I think, you know, we read a few things and we assume that we have all the answers and our way is the good. And, you know, um, maybe I think we've got to be more willing to, to test you know, to put things to the test, to test our own, to test our own discernment, yeah. uh, to test our own ideas, you know, to allow them to be put to the test by others that we trust and that we love, and then be willing to reject those things that we'd like to hold tightly. Yeah. You know, I, I yeah, do think yeah. that there are some things that, man, there are, there are aspects because of our experiences and our, you know, our own cultural biases and whatever, all, you know, all the things that we, we are as human beings. I think that there are some of our own inherent evils that we have a really difficult time rejecting and letting go. Yep. And 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 I include myself in that for sure. I know that yep. there are there are aspects of the way that I look at the world or the way that I look at at life. There are uh, things that you know experiences I've had and just a way that I've been raised and uh, you know and some letting go of some of those things to be quite honest, is just sometimes really difficult. Even the things that I can see, they're not serving me well. They may not serve the church well, but man, I get great comfort holding on to this thing because I've held it for so long. Mm. Um, and and I, I, you know, I think that it goes for all of us as, as followers of Jesus, right? That at some point we've all got to let those things go. We've got to allow our, our own wisdom to be tested. I don't think we can do that if we don't talk with each other. I honestly just think that we are still in a place where I think there's still a lot of fear um, of just talking about these issues. I, I, I still think when it comes to issues of race and politics, we're getting better. And I think there are forums, you know, I think we, we'd rather listen in to a conversation maybe like this than we, uh, than <laughs> we are prepared to engage yeah, right. in that conversation with a brother mm. or sister in my own church. But I think it's until we do that, until we start to have those kind of conversations within our own churches with brothers and sisters who are different, uh, aligned differently on a political perspective or, or, or have a different perspective and, uh, and view on, on race and culture or whatever. I think until we do that, it's, it's going to be very difficult. But that, that, I think, is the beginning uh, mm. for us, a, a way that we can begin to put this this passage into practice in our lives. That's great. So Dana, are you implying that uh, we're doing this podcast so that people will be spurred to action and not just uh, listen for entertainment value? Is, is that what I'm hearing? Uh, that's what I'm hoping. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me be completely transparent. I'm hoping for that for sure. Yeah. He's testing it right now. Uh, I'm testing yeah. it, man. I, I'm with you. Jason's just about the entertainment factor, but I am, <laughs> I am with you. Yeah, yeah. Jason, did you have a final thought? Um, I, it's it's very similar to what Dana just said. You know, I I, I think, um, and this this is potentially frightening, but I think uh, living with a you know a a, a posture of of openness. And by openness, I don't mean searching for a foundation or, or you know, living with um, paralyzing uncertainty. Um, but for for most of us in the church, that's that's not the the, the challenge. Uh, most of us live with such a sense of certainty that we're we're not accustomed to being open. Uh, so I think I think questioning our certitudes or holding them up to the light uh again with with the hope to dis to encounter jesus and learn and grow um but it sounds like what i'm saying is the opposite of living with a conviction uh, that's that's not what i mean but we we serve a god who, who uh, if it's the god of 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 Christian scripture, at least it, it's, 
uh, it seems to me he's he's happy to surprise people, um, <laughs> whether that's through uh, resurrection from the dead or a donkey speaking to you or or, or whatever the uh, the situation. Uh, God, I think, is looking for those who are open, um, open to Him ultimately. Um, but with that posture of openness, uh, there is the opportunity for great dialogue and unity, I think. Um, Amen. Well, let me, yeah. I, I want to finish with this actually. I, so I have a friend that I went to college with. He's a, he's a pastor. He lives in Virginia and he's, he's a really deep thinker. I've found him uh, every now and then I'll see a post from him on social media. And uh, I, I think he, he thinks about things deeply and I, I really respect what, what I see him uh, post, although I don't think he posts a lot, but he, uh, in fact, just today, uh, put up a post uh, about um, just kind of thinking through and reflecting how we as Americans in our current, um, and as followers of Jesus in our current context, can resist sort of threats towards totalitarianism and totalitarian thinking, uh, whatever direction it comes from. And I'm going to summarize uh, the points that he made and, and uh, maybe summarize and, and uh, rephrase just a little bit for sake of time. Um, and if I didn't say his name, his name is Jared Holzing. I don't know if I said that or not. But um, he, so he, he has 10 things. He says, number one, refuse to believe things without robust evidence and in spite of evidence to the contrary, simply because it comes from a trusted source or fits a preferred narrative. And he goes on and says to be curious and search for facts and data and original sources that come from all sides. Number two, refuse to excessively focus on fear, anxiety, and threats, and instead consider a full range of reality uh, and not just things that cause fear. Number three, refuse to allow power to become increasingly concentrated in the hands of a few in exchange for some benefit or promise. And he, he goes on and explains that one uh, a little more, but I'm going to keep moving here. Number four, refuse to excuse or overlook lies, scandals, or misdeeds of leaders of your group and instead stand for integrity and truth, even when that means swimming upstream against your own tribe. Right. Uh, number Ouch. Yeah, that's a good one. Number five, <laughs> refuse to accept injustices and inequities as just the way things are, or assume that structures are fair or inevitable, especially when they do not directly affect you. Rather, look for patterns, causes, and sustainable long-term solutions to intractable problems, um, especially when it's for the good of others and other groups. Um, six, refuse to isolate yourself and don't become disconnected from diverse social communities. And I think that's, you, we were kind of alluding to that earlier. We can get in that bubble and only hear from people who agree with our ideology. Um, number, uh, what was that? Number seven, uh, refuse to consume news and information from an increasingly narrow range of sources. Instead, become a student of good journalism, read widely, discuss what you read with others who think differently, and learn to differentiate verifiable fact from ideological opinion. That's great. And um, number eight, refuse to surrender freedom and resist ceding control to increasingly distant layers of government. And instead, he calls for, I think what he's calling here for is a more local-based uh, sort of vision where we're, we're discussing and solving problems uh, locally as much as possible. Uh, number nine, refuse to see others as the, quote, enemy in our midst, Instead, yeah. get to know each person or group well enough that you can truly understand what motivates what motivates them, and be able to articulate their perspective in a compelling and sympathetic way. Um, and then finally, number ten, as a follower of Jesus, love your neighbor as yourself. Be humble, patient, gentle, and willing to listen. 
Quickly confess when you've failed to be a good neighbor and seek to restore relationships being an agent of peace and seeking abundant life for all. So I thought those were great principles uh, to end on. I thought it was uh, really thoughtful and helpful in finding that balance and clinging to what is good and rejecting what is evil. Uh, Dana, on behalf of Jason and I, thank you so much yeah, for joining Glad us today. to be here. No doubt. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It, it's been it's great. To be here. Yeah, it's been great fun to have you. Thanks for your insights. Thank you so much for listening to Deset- to today's episode. Let me spit that out correctly. If you like this episode like the podcast please go to your podcast host itunes spotify whatever it is and subscribe if you haven't already and give us a good rating that helps other people find this podcast if you have any questions feedback or thoughts please drop me a note at all things to all people podcast at gmail.com And we look forward to seeing you next time on the All Things to All People podcast.